Matthew chapter 9, starting verse 1, we're going to be to verse 8. It says, So he got into a boat, crossed over, and came to his own city. Then behold, they brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, be of good cheer, your sins are forgiven you. And at once some of the scribes said within themselves, This man blasphemes. But Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Why do you think evil in your hearts? For which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven you, or to say, Arise and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. Then he said to the paralytic, Arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. And he arose and departed to his house. And when the multitude saw it, they marveled and glorified God, who had given such power to men. Now, if you've been around the church for a while, you've probably heard this story before. It's, it's a good one. And there's not really one theme. What I, what I love about the Word of God is that there's so many different directions that you can take it when it comes to preaching. And uh, as I was studying this week and I was going through, I just felt like there was a few points that God was showing me in these scriptures. And so we're going to walk through those points together. Uh, this isn't one unified message of like, take up your, I, I preached a message a few years ago about pick up your mat and walk. It's a humdinger. Find it on the internet. Enjoy that. One. That's not what we're doing today. Um, let's just get through it and let's start into it. So it says in verse uh, one, it says, so he got into the boat, crossed over the city and came to crossed over and came to his own city. Then behold, they brought to him a paralytic on a bed. And Jesus saw their faith. Uh, the first point I want to make from this scripture this morning is that, folks, we got to be bringing people to Jesus. Yeah. we got to be bringing people to Jesus. It says in verse 2, Then behold, they brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed. Jesus is going into his own city, it says. And so these guys, whoever they may be, have a friend or someone they know that's a paralytic. And that they decide, uh, we need to bring this guy to Jesus. And as they're bringing this guy to Jesus, the scripture says that Jesus saw their faith. He didn't see the faith of the paralytic to be healed. What he saw was the faith of the people that brought the paralytic to Jesus that had faith to believe that Jesus would be the one that was going to heal him. It's very interesting that someone else's faith is what Jesus saw, not the faith of the person being brought. We need to bring people to Jesus. It's also interesting that Jesus cared more about this man's sins than he cared about his physical situation. <laughs> I find it rather uh, interesting that Jesus sees this guy who's a paralytic and you're laughing about a paralytic. Yeah, I am. Because it says he said to the paralytic, son, be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven. He looked past his physical calamity and went directly to what his, his situation truly was, was that he was in sin. Jesus looked past his physical situation and said, you know what? What's most important in your life is not that your body's working correctly. It's that your soul is working correctly. One commentator said, by this, Jesus intimated both to the paralytic and to those who brought him first, that sin is the source of all of our evils. Secondly, that sin being forgiven, boldly distempers can do us no real or lasting harm. What does that mean? That means, you know what? Sin's going to keep you out of, uh, uh, out of heaven, but you can, go to, you can go to heaven with a bum leg. Yeah. Yeah. Just because you're going through some physical ailments, man, I'm sorry, and take some ibuprofen, but at, at the end of the day, Jesus cares more about your sin situation than your body's situation. Thirdly, that the primary end of Jesus coming into the world was to save people from their sins. This is the primary mission of Jesus. To save people from their sins. Did you catch that? Sin is the source of all of our evils. 
Being forgiven of sin is more important than body problems. Jesus came to save sin, not to fix all of our worldly problems. Jesus does does care about what you're going through, but that wasn't his primary mission. His primary mission was to save people from their sins. Therefore, if sin is the source of all of our problems, shouldn't we make it a focus to bring people to be set free from the law of sin and death? Shouldn't we help people be set free from sin? Shouldn't we realize that those people around us that we see at, at home or at school or work or wherever we may go, that there's people that, that are going to spend eternity away from God because they're dead in their transgressions. Sometimes we forget this. We forget that, that, that we are called as Christians to bring people to Jesus. These men's faith was enough to bring somebody and say, do you know what? We believe that God can do something in this man's life through Jesus. And Jesus saw their faith. Mark 16, 15, he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Matthew 28, 19, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit. Friend, there has never been a greater time to share about Jesus. We are living in a world that, that has no hope. We are living in a world that is chaotic, where people are looking for something to hold on to. And we've got that hope. We've got that hope in Jesus. And we're doing people around us a disservice. When, when, and, and I'll tell you, the people in this church, you know, we, we actually have a lot of joy. <laughs> you hang around us and, 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 and we're not a downtrodden people here at Old Faith and Victory. We, we don't, we don't muscle, uh, you know, muffle around and talk about all the bad things in our life. We're, we're excited about serving Jesus here. And the world needs that. They need that, that, that joy that we have. They need what we have, and it's found in Jesus Christ. We're doing them a disservice by not sharing it with them. Are you bringing people to Jesus? No. You know, if you would have said yes, we would have gone further, but none of you said anything. You said yes, honey, nobody else. <laughs> Are you helping people to be healed and set free? Jesus is a healer. He's a healer. He healed all who were ill. He healed them all. He healed their sick. He was healing them, curing those who had need of healing. He healed many. Jesus said, I will come and heal him. Jesus can and will heal people. That's true. But Jesus's primary mission was to forgive sin. This is primary mission. And I, and, and I constantly revisit this because I think that sometimes when we want to share our faith with people, where I was like, well, why do I need to share my faith with somebody? Because they are in sin. They appear to be happy. Why do they need Jesus? Because they're in sin. Looks like they have a good family and they have a good job. It looks like they don't have any need in their life. They do have a need. They're in sin. They need what Jesus provides. They need forgiveness from their sins. And, and just because somebody may look like they have it all together on the outside does not mean that there's something on the inside that needs to be fixed. And it can only be fixed with Jesus. 2 Timothy 4.2 says, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. See, in this story, we see people with faith bringing people to Jesus, and we should bring people to Jesus. It should be what we think about and what we're about. I don't know how your mind works, but whenever I meet anybody, I'm always thinking, is this person a Christian? I literally do. It doesn't matter who I talk to. It doesn't matter where I'm at. Whether If I'm at a, a, a grocery store, if I'm at a restaurant, I think to myself, this might be an opportunity to bring somebody to Jesus. 
And so when I talk to them and I redirect the conversation, where do you live? What do you do? Where do you go to church? I always, I, I don't, you know, it's funny. I've become more and more bold. Sometimes I just flat out ask people, are you a Christian? Yeah. And some people are like, yeah, praise God. I am. I'm glad. Thank you for asking. I'm like, yeah. And some people say, no, I'm not a Christian. You and I say, why not? Why aren't you a Christian? It's amazing what you can do when you have those kind of conversations. It opens up doors to be able to share Jesus. And I, and I don't even care if I'm somewhere in another city on a plane or a train. I don't go on trains, but anywhere. I'll ask people, didn't you know Jesus? I'll, I'll, I'll look up on the phone and be like, man, you need to go to this church. They got, you know, 4.9 reviews. You know, they're good. 4.9, that's good in the Google world. Go to this church. They probably love to have you there. When's the last time you shared your testimony with somebody? When's the last time you invited someone to church? When's the, when's the last time you led somebody to Christ? Oh, Many a Christian will live their whole entire Christian existence with never leading somebody to Christ. Never. Yeah. And, and, and you know what, what, what's interesting is that you don't even have to, uh, uh, <laughs> you just bring them to church. Yeah. That, that's the easy invite. But you, you should feel bold about sharing your testimony. Do the people that you work with know the hope that you have in Jesus? Yes. The people that you live around know your hope in, in Jesus? You know, it's, uh, it's, it's oh, I don't want to, t- too long. Share Jesus. Amen. Yes. Yes. Share Jesus with people. Watch what it does in their lives. Paul said, to the weak I became weak that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men that I might by all means save some. And friend, I'll tell you, we are not going to save them all. We're not. But wouldn't it be great if you could save some? Wouldn't it be great if you went to heaven and and, and you knew that you brought one person with you? Wouldn't it be great to know that like, and and not even in a sense of spiritual pride, but just in a sense of like, I want to honor God. I want more people to experience his grace and mercy. Luke 14, 23, then the master said to a servant, go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. This, this has been a part of, uh, of the, the, the last 18 months or however long we've been doing this thing. I think that we become kind of complacent because we're afraid to talk to people. We're afraid to interact with people. This is the time for boldness, man. This is the time for reaching out because people are filled with despair. That's right. Even more so out here in this state, up in the back 40, like it's, they're filled with despair. They, they don't have any hope. We have the hope in Jesus. We have something that they need. And they're like, well, it's going to make me feel weird. That's fine. They may not like me. That's fine. We like you. We like you. And if they don't like you, it's fine. Here's the second, here's the second part of this scripture. We've got to learn to forgive people. Amen. Amen. So Jesus comes and he heals this guy and he forgives him as well. So he heals him and then he says, son, your sins are forgiven. And, and what do the scribes do? What are the people that are standing around? It says that once some of the scribes said within themselves, this man blasphemes. Yeah. Now, what does that mean? If you're a blasphemer, you're going against God. And so Jesus forgives someone of sins. These uh, religious people are standing around and they say, this guy is blaspheming God because he said that these guys are, this man is forgiven of their sins. Why did they say this? Because they did not believe that Jesus was God and because only God can forgive sin. Then they're going to say that Jesus is a blasphemer because he is going around forgiving people's sin to them because they didn't believe in Jesus. They believe that Jesus couldn't forgive, which is a, 
somewhat understandable, but you would uh, think that at least they would be like, man, I'm glad our, this guy is healed. I'm glad that this guy is forgiven of their sins, but they couldn't look past their own theology in their mind to think that, you know, a man can't forgive sin and couldn't see Jesus as God. And so they call him a blasphemer in the middle of this. But I asked like, why would they want somebody to stay in their sin? Why, why would they want someone to be a paralytic? Why would they want someone to be infirm? What, what kind of evil-minded person do you need to be to think that someone doesn't deserve to get healed or not uh, to be forgiven of their sins? What kind of evil do you have to have in your hearts? See, the whole Bible, the Jews and the system of the law was centered around satisfying the need for forgiveness. They understood it and they practiced it. They just didn't believe that that Jesus was the one that could heal people of their sin problem by forgiving them of their sins. And so they called Jesus a blasphemer. When these guys said in their heart that Jesus blasphemes, they wanted this man to stay in his sins. Think about that. This guy's in sin. Jesus forgives sin. They say Jesus is a blasphemer. The connection is we would feel a whole lot better if this guy was in his sins than you saying he was forgiven of his sins. What's the application? Are you, are you forgiving people and allowing them to get out of their sins? Or are you keeping them in their sins? Do you, do you know people that have done bad things and, and, and for whatever reason you can't bring it in your heart to believe that Jesus can forgive a man such as that? Or are you standing there in your heart saying, blasphemy, this, this person doesn't deserve to be forgiven. Do you think that Jesus hasn't forgiven them like he forgave you? This is one of the most damnable heresies in the Christian church is that we quickly forget how rotten we are and how much Jesus has forgiven us. And then somehow we just forget the cross and then someone else comes around that needs to be forgiven. We say, well, I'm not sure God forgives somebody like that. Instead of saying, you know what? That's exactly who God forgives. He forgives people just like that because I was a man such as this. And if God can forgive a man like me, praise God, he can forgive a man like you as well. Christians should be the most forgiving people in the world. Everyone, all the time. This message cannot be preached enough. It just can't. Because we, we, we have been forgiven. We should forgive people. That's why Jesus said in Matthew 6, for if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. I know in my own heart that there's times that I struggle with forgiving other people. (laughs) Thanks, Jen. Appreciate it. Did did y'all not have your second cup before you came this morning? Some of y'all just like, huh? forgiveness. I know in my own heart, sometimes I wish people would die. And I catch myself with my mentalness going down this path where I don't wish forgiveness on them. And I don't want to give forgiveness to them. I want to see them be destroyed. I want to, I want to stand there and be like, yes, they were destroyed because of what they've done. That's what goes in my heart. Okay. Maybe you guys don't think that way. or like, I just forgive everybody. Me? No. And so I figure if I have that problem in my mind at times that you probably are just as evil as I am and probably have those thoughts as well. Amen. Amen. Okay. Now we're getting somewhere. This is for you. You rotten people. 
We're just prone to revert back, man. We're just prone to forget because the flesh just wants to be the flesh. And so it's always good measure to hear a message like this because I'm sure that for some of you that are here, here this morning, hopefully the word is cutting to your heart and there's somebody that you're harboring unforgiveness in your heart and the word is piercing in and you're going like, you know what, pastor, you're right. I, I just need to forgive that person. I just need to let them be forgiven. It's funny. We always remember forgiveness when we want someone to forgive us. Amen. If we've done something wrong, all of a sudden we're the Bible scholar. Like, you know what the Bible says? <laughs> Thou hast to forgive thee. But then, but then someone else wrongs us, and that's not the first thought in our head. Those scriptures, we don't appropriate those scriptures. And, and some of us even go farther in our evil where someone else is offended. We jump on with their offense. Like, man, I'm going to not forgive them as well. Thanks for sharing that with me. There was a man in the Bible in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, and I I will not share the details of his grievous sin because of the age of some of the people that are in this room. But some of you may know 1 Corinthians 5, where they were talking about expelling the immoral brother because of his uh, sexual immorality that was being committed. Well, in 2 Corinthians, we can see that the, uh, this man had experienced church discipline because of what he had done. And so Paul is writing uh, to the church in uh, uh, Corinth, but it's in Second Corinthians. And, and, and Paul writes to this church and says, you know what, man, you guys did what you did to him because he deserved church discipline based on what he had done. But now you're getting to a point where you're not even allowing this person to be forgiven. You're not, you're not allowing this person to uh, actually repent and come back into the fold. And he, and, and he says, you know, it's just not good. Let, let's read it together. It's in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 5. It says, but if anyone has caused grief, he has not grieved me. But all of you, to some extent, not to be too severe. Remember, we're talking about a guy that was expelled from the church for sexual immorality. It says, this punishment, which was inflicted by the majority, is sufficient for such a man so that on the contrary, you ought rather to forgive and comfort him, lest perhaps such a one be swallowed up with too much sorrow. Therefore, I urge you to reaffirm your love to him. Paul even had to remind the Corinthian church that, you know what, man, there's a point where you just forgive somebody there's, there, if they repent, right? And I always have to say that because people say, well, you know, what about if somebody's dead in their sins and continues to beat you in the face, you don't forgive them and allow them to keep punching you in the eye. There has to be a point of repentance. But it, it sounds like based on this scripture, it says, uh, when he says in verse seven, you ought rather to forgive, it implies this sense of like the person has repented. He's ready to come back into the fold, but you're not allowing him to come back into the fold. And it's just not good. They hadn't forgave him. They hadn't welcomed him back. And, and what Paul says is he says, you know what? This wayward brother could be swallowed up with sorrow. So you should just love him. See, punishment for sin isn't unbiblical. It's not. But repentance should always be met with forgiveness and love. Always. And and this is such a hard thing for people to understand. Uh, God doesn't offer forgiveness to everyone who he offers forgiveness to the repentant. Because if not, we would be universalists. We would say that, well, all sin is forgiven regardless of what you do. We must turn to Jesus to be forgiven. And for someone to be forgiven, they must turn from their sin. You can't, you can't be a human that's continuing in your sin and ask somebody for forgiveness and continue in your sin in the same way that you can't continue in your sin and turn towards Jesus 
and say, well, now I'm set free from that at all. Now, I I can't aptly describe what repentance always looks like, but I have a very clear understanding of what unrepentance does look like. Unrepentance usually looks like uh, blaming and excusing and haughtiness and pride, no change in demeanor, character, actions, or disposition. That, that's what unrepentance looks like. Usually repentance looks like brokenness. Repentance looks like no demands. Repentance owns their own sin. They don't blame somebody else. Repentance says, I, I, I want to make restitution even though I don't have to make restitution. All those things. We should be forgiving people. We should offer forgiveness to people that have done us wrong. We should give forgiveness. Think think about Stephen in in Acts chapter 7. It says, and they stoned Stephen as he was calling on God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And when he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. I don't know if you know how stoning works, but they don't stand you there and chuck stones at you. They bury you up to your neck and then they start throwing stones at you. So you just hit it in the head and you can't dodge it all. And so if you see the picture of Stephen buried up to his neck being stones being chucked at him, and then he's crying out as he's dying, Lord, don't hold this sin against them. And then we have these petty little things that happen in our lives. We're like, I could never forgive them after what they did. Come on, man. Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. Can we, can we just forgive people? Can we allow other people forgiven to be forgiven? Because here's the thing too, is that now as your pastor, I, I know a lot of people's sins because people talk to me about them, but some of y'all don't even know who you're sitting next to in the church. But sometimes people find out about stuff and like, oh man, I can't believe that they did that. I, I, I don't want to be on, a, uh, on something with them or I don't, I don't want to, they, they can't be forgiven. Man, that's blasphemy. That's blasphemy. You know, you know, when Jesus talked about blasphemy of the Holy Ghost, blasphemy of the Holy Ghost is believing that God can't regenerate somebody. That's believing that the Holy Ghost can't do his work. You blaspheme God when you believe that other people can't be forgiven in the same way that you've been forgiven. Let me make it categorically clear. Anyone can be forgiven of anything, anything. It doesn't matter what it is. And if you're here this morning, you're not a Christian. You're thinking, man, can God forgive a a man like me, a woman like me? Yes. Yes, he can. He can forgive you a hundred percent. He offers that forgiveness. And I'll tell you, man, it's the greatest thing in the world. It really is. But we have to apply that to other people as well and believe that people can be forgiven. And, and, it, and it does. I'll tell you, it takes a lot of intestinal fortitude to do this. It does not come easy. And, and if you've tried, you know that it doesn't come easy. Sometimes it takes a lot of Bible study and it takes a lot of prayer. It takes a lot of fasting to just say, you know what, man, I'm going to find forgiveness in my heart towards this person. Ephesians chapter four, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Now here, here's the next part of it. You, you can be forgiven. (laughs) You know, I I feel like my microphone isn't working this morning. (laughs) Are you guys here? Did you, did you guys stop sugar or bread this week or something? You guys had a caloric deficit? These guys are kind of fired up. And today you guys are just looking at me like you don't know me. Is there something on my face? I mean, I shaved this morning, you know, trimmed up my facial hair. I I even brushed my teeth. Put on some pit stick. You, you You guys are looking at me like you don't know me this morning, man. You guys all worn out from worship. The greatest thing is that we can be forgiven. Thank you. If only for my shallow ego that needs reaffirming. 
I don't want to encourage you to sin, but if you have sinned, you'd be excited about a message about forgiveness. This story isn't just about the people who wouldn't allow this guy to leave his sin. There's a sermon in there as well. But the, but the greatest part of this story, it says in verse 6, but that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. Then he said to the paralytic, arise and take up your bed and go to your house. And he arose and departed to his house. And I've, and I've heard many a preacher use this verse to talk about healing. And it is a great healing scripture. But don't miss the connection. He was healed to prove that he could be forgiven of his sin. The sin problem was the problem, not the body problem. Jesus used the healing of his body so that he could heal his sin and go and tell people, I have been forgiven of my sins. I need you to be able to understand this. I need you to be able to regurgitate this. And, and you, you probably don't pay as close attention as you should to the fact that there is an assault on simple biblical Christianity. That they want to turn the gospel into something that it's not. They want you to believe that the gospel is something that it isn't. The gospel is very, very simple. Jesus Christ came to save sinners. That's why he came. And, 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 I, and I talk about it constantly because I want you to know when you read something online or you see a sermon or you, somebody is saying something to you that is not Jesus Christ came to save sinners as the gospel, you can say to them, that's not the truth. That's not the gospel. Quit saying that that's the gospel. The gospel is Jesus Christ came to save sinners. Jesus came to forgive sin. He came to satisfy the wrath of God. Jesus came to solve our sin problem. Matthew 26, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for the many for the remission of sins. Acts 10, to him all the prophets witness that through his name, whoever believes in him will receive remission of sins. Luke 24, that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations. Ephesians 1, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. I've told you guys this before. You need to get it in your heart. In the book of Acts, when they went out and they did the first work of the church, it was preaching repentance and forgiveness of sins. They didn't go to the magistrate and say, I think you need to change some laws that line up with the Bible. They didn't go down to the town square and say, you know what, we're going to get involved with employment law because that's what we're supposed to do as Christians. Are there great things that we can do as Christians? Yes. Is there things that we should fight for? Yes. But that's not the gospel. The gospel is Jesus Christ came to save sinners. Dude, I I believe that we should eradicate racism. And I believe that we should feed the poor. And I believe that we should clothe the naked. I think that we should heal the sick. I believe in all of those things. That's just not the gospel. You can feed somebody and they can still go to hell. But, you know, I I don't believe that you can cure racism without Jesus. I just don't. I don't believe that for one second. Because I believe that racism is a sin. I believe that it's a wicked sin. And the only thing that can solve a a wicked sin and a wicked heart is the blood of Jesus. Can't legislate morality, man. You can't do it. About to take me off my notes. I will continually be driving this point home until the return of Jesus. And if you don't want to hear about it, don't come to church here. 
Because it'll happen all the time because as we grow as a church and, and you know, we're just in a season right now where, you know, the gospel is taking an immunization and the gospel's wearing a mask and the gospel's, I mean, it's all just uh, nonsense. I don't want to get anybody sick, but I don't want the gospel to change. Jesus Christ came to save sinners. Internalize it to protect the gospel in your life. Let, let me, we, we talk about bringing people to Jesus. You will never convert someone to Christ with letting, without letting them know they have a sin problem. You will never convert somebody to Christ without letting them know they have a sin problem. And, and, and at, when I first got saved, I, I wasn't taught correctly uh, how to bring somebody to Christ. And so I remember uh, when uh, young and full of zeal, I would try to lead people to Christ and I would talk about, oh, you're going to have peace and oh, you're going to have joy. And they're like, I got peace. You're going to have joy. I got joy. I like all these things. Like, oh, you're going to have friends. I got friends. Instead of realizing, you know, man, I don't care where you're at in your life. You are under the wrath of God because of your past transgressions. You're dead in your transgressions and you need a savior. You can convert them to something else. You're just not converting them to Christ. <laughs> this is not a love story. I've heard people say it many times. Say, oh, the Bible's a love story. No, it is not. This is a holiness story. That God is holy. We are not. We have a sin problem and it needs to be fixed. That's the story of the Bible. Does God love us? Yes. He loves us a lot. But this is mamby-pamby. See, what happens when y'all don't give it to me, I'm like, forget my notes. I'm just going to say what I want. The, the problem is, it's these namby-pamby people from the 60s that use love as a bait to try to get people into church, man. It's the Jesus people. Love, peace, and oh, let's apply that to Jesus. Instead of being like, you know what, man? The wrath of God weighs heavy on the sinner. You need to repent from your sins. What does it mean to you? Are you, are you walking in the forgiveness that Christ provides? Because this is the greatest freedom. It really is. And maybe you've never sinned before, and so you don't know what forgiveness is like. But I'll tell you for myself, some of the stuff that I've done, and most of which I'll never repeat to you because it's none of your business and it's under the lamb. And I love, and I love the fact that I'm forgiven. Oh. And, and when, I'm, when I'm standing up here worshiping and I don't feel like worshiping, I remind myself of what I've been forgiven from. I'm like, you know, man, I can raise my hands today. I can, I can, I can praise his name. Because this is the greatest freedom ever. And it's not a freedom to sin. It's a freedom from sin. And this power not just forgives us from our past sin, but it keeps us from sinning in the future. I, I believe that, that, that I can learn to not sin through the grace of God. I don't believe that I have to sin a certain sin for the rest of my life. I don't believe that at all. And I've shared this with you guys before. If, if a person would come to this church and say, well, I, I beat my wife. You would never say, well, you've been saved now and set free, but the old brother so-and-so, he just beats his wife. That's just what he does. No, you would grab him by the ears and be like, brother, stop. You can overcome this sin. So if brother so-and-so can stop beating his wife, any one of us can stop any area of our sins. Sin is, sin is possible to be overcome. Quit living in this mindset that says, I'm going to be dealing with this for the rest of my life. True freedom is possible through Jesus Christ. Freedom from sin and freedom in sin to say, you want, I don't have to deal with this anymore, man. Through the grace of God, I can be set free. I don't have to do this anymore. I, I've been set free from sins that I thought I would never be set free from. And I'm like, gosh, that's amazing. It's not even an issue anymore. I can walk in the freedom that Christ provides. 
Acts chapter 3, repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Friend, when you were far from God, he cleansed you from your sins. You became new. Now you walk in it. Quit living in your past sins. Quit thinking that you are what you used to do. You are not. Christ has forgiven you. You have been set free. You are no longer what you used to be and what you used to do. Psalm 103, 12, as far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. Hear this from the Lord. Get it in your spirit. You are not your past sin. That is not your identity at all. That's not who you are. Forgive others. And I'm not going to say forgive yourself. I'm not saying that. I'm saying walk in the forgiveness that Christ provides. You know, there was a bank that loaned us the money to uh, buy this church. And uh, we're still paying down on it. And it's going well. It's going quite well. We're, we're almost down to 600000 on the uh, on the main building. <laughs> I don't know. You can't even buy a house for that around here. You know what I mean? <laughs> And I'm, I'm kind of a nerd. You know, uh, the day I found out that the, the bank in Nebraska was going to loan us the money for this building, $1.2 million, 2014, I wept like a baby. I cried, I cried like when my kids were bored. <laughs> Crystal came out from the bedroom that morning and she said, why are you crying? I said, it's finally going to happen so excited <laughs> every once every once in a while I'll just be sitting around thinking about it and I'll call our banker in Nebraska <laughs> I'll say man thank you so much for loaning us that money <laughs> and Char- her name is Charity and she'll say Matt you don't have to call me anymore <laughs> I'm just thankful. And we're going to pay down this debt and it's going to be paid off and I'm still going to call charity. (laughs) Even after the debt's been paid, I'm still going to call her. Because she was the only one that would believe in our church. The only one that believed that God could do something. Romans chapter 8, there is now for no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. No condemnation. Oh, would you get that down in your spirit? Friend, I don't care what you did. I don't care where you went. I, I, I don't care what you thought, how much it cost, who saw it. If you did it, how dirty, nasty, disgusting that it was. Jesus forgave you. He forgave you. He set you free. Then he adds their sins and their lawless deeds. I will remember no more. Second Corinthians says you're a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Colossians says he has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the son of his love in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. Be forgiven in Jesus name. The last part of this sermon is to glorify God. The guys that were there didn't get converted. They didn't change. They just looked upon this Jesus as just a man. 
They looked at Jesus at the end of this story and says, what power was given a man? They didn't see him as God in the flesh. They, they had a chance to glorify God. They had a chance to lift up Jesus for what he had done. They blasphemed him because they said that he couldn't forgive sin. And then here they, they come to a point like, well, God did give power to a man. So that's, that's pretty cool. No, and I've, I've seen this a lot with people. They see Jesus as a good moral teacher. They say, well, you know, he did good things and he's a good guy. No, Jesus is God. He, he was much more than, more than just a man. You can't reduce him to just a man. And, and since he is God and he does save and he does heal, these guys should have glorified him. Yeah. They should have lifted up his name. These guys missed it though. They, they should have, they should have lived out Psalm 50. Whoever offers praise glorifies me. And to him who orders his conduct aright, I will show the salvation of God. They should have Micah 4 5 for all people walk in the name of his God, but we will walk in the name of the Lord our God forever and ever. They missed it. They missed the fact that they had God in the flesh right in front of them and they could have glorified his name. Friend, our lives are meant to glorify God in everything. Everything in your life is supposed to be glorifying God. This is why Christian worship is so important. This is why I fight and I advocate for the gathering of the saints. We don't get together and sing songs. It's not the song portion. I don't like the singing part. I've had people say to me before, oh, you know, I like coming. I just don't like the singing part. I don't like the singing part. Did you miss it? We don't sing here. We worship. That's why when the governor said that you can't sing in church, I was like, well, that's fine. We don't sing. sing. I haven't sang a day in my life. I've worshiped a lot. I lifted up the holy name of Jesus that demands to be glorified based on what he did in my life. I'm going to worship his holy name. We bring Jesus, excuse me, we bring people to Jesus to glorify God. We forgive people to glorify God. You walk in the forgiveness that you have from Jesus to glorify God. Our whole life is to glorify God. First Thessalonians 5.18, in everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Everything. You, you, you don't own anything that you have and nothing that you have belongs to you. It's all to bring glory to God. Any relationship that you have, glorify God. Work, glorify God. School, glorify God. Hobbies, thoughts, actions, deeds, glorify God. Romans 14, 8. For if we live, we live to the Lord. If we die, we die to the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or we die, we are the Lord's. Hebrews 13, 15. Therefore, by him, let us continually offer up the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. I'll tell you one of the most damaging theologies in in church is that it's all about you. Man, that's a, that's a heresy. This mindset that says God wants to help you succeed or bless your plans. Friend, you have one plan. Glorify God. And everything that you do. I'll, I'll leave you guys with a story and then I'll let you get out of here. I, um, as many of you guys know, I was in the U.S. Army. And when you're, when back, way back when I was in the Army, we, we, we always traveled in our Class A's. And uh, our class A's were our dress uniform. And, and when I was traveling a lot in my class A's, it was between like basic and AIT. And you don't have any, you don't have any awards. You got like one little fire guard ribbon. It's nothing. And uh, 
And I don't know where I got it in my mind. I don't know if someone told me this or this is what we were supposed to do. But for whatever reason, whenever I, whenever I traveled uh, on a plane in my military uniform, I never sat down in an airport one time. I would just stand there in my uniform. Like, I don't care if I had to wait for three hours to get on a plane. I'd just stand there in my uniform up against a wall and just stand next to my bags and just watch people go by. Back then, you didn't have a phone to play on, right? I just stood there and watched people go by. And people, uh, people may not understand that. They'd say, well, dude, what does it matter, man? Sit down. Nobody cares. When I, when I was in the military, I had a very deep understanding and respect for what I, what I represented when I was in the U.S. military. And in my mind, what I thought to myself, I thought, you know, if, if I'm in an airport and, and I take off my jacket and I'm sitting there reading some magazine and someone looks and they're paying me, right? I'm, they're paying my wages. I'm, I'm defending this country. What are they, what's that going to be their perception of, of the military if that's how they view me as some lazy soldier, you know, chewing bubble gum, waiting to get on a plane? And so I said in my mind, my own self, I said, man, I, I'm not going to be that guy. I don't, nobody knew me, probably nobody even thought about me. I don't care. But for me, I said, you know what? I'm going to live up to the standard of that which I'm wearing, which is I'm a soldier in the United States Army. I hope, I, I, I'm going to say it, but I hope you're making the connection. We were bought with a price. We are owned by Jesus. All day, every day, we're to glorify God. Now, praise God, you can sit at the airport and still be a Christian, amen? <laughs> but you should have a mindset that all day, every day of how you live reflects on the God that you serve and glorify Him in everything that you do. Amen? Amen. amen. Would you close your eyes? Would you bow your heads? If you're here this morning, you're not a Christian, we'd like to invite you to become one. It's quite easy, either you're a Christian or you're not given your life to Jesus or you haven't, if you've never given your life to Jesus, if you've never been set free from the law of sin and death, if Jesus came back today, you would not go to heaven and you would like to turn from your sins today. We would like to pray with you. It's quite easy. You just say, man, I want to leave sin and I want to be forgiven. I want to walk with Jesus. If you'd like to do that for the first time, we'd like to pray with you. You can raise your hand right now and say, that's me. I want to be a Christian. Anybody need to make that declaration for the first time? Thank you. Maybe you've been far from God. We always have a, I always ask people if they want to rededicate their lives too, because sometimes people have been so far from God, been waiting for a moment to come back, a moment to say, "Man, I want to just want to be back in His arms." I don't know how I, I don't know how I, my life went sideways. It just did. to come back to Jesus today, you want to rededicate your life, would you raise your hand as well? I'd like to pray for you. Father, we pray that we would glorify you in everything that we do, God. Father, we pray that we would be reminded to bring people to you, to bring you glory. To forgive other people, to bring you glory. To walk in the forgiveness that you provide to give you glory. Father, whatever it may be, we make it our aim to please you. Praise you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, we want to thank you so much for being online with us today. I want to remind you, if you're not a follower on Facebook, please like our page on YouTube. Please subscribe. Follow us on Twitter. Tell all your friends. 
continue to watch online. We thank you for watching. We love you so much. Have a great day.